Shabbat Shalom. So we are in our Hanukkah series, and um, wow, what a season, what a season. I always feel like I'm running behind. They're so fast and furious that I always feel like I'm a little bit behind. And so I try to anticipate every year coming into the seasons, and I'm always just taken by surprise. So I hope you're enjoying this week of Hanukkah. It's going to be gone before we know it, right? But the lessons that we're going to learn, of course, are eternal. They're for us in every generation. Amazing lessons. So as we uh, begin to unpack this, I want to remind you again, especially those that are listening uh, to any of our uploaded videos, um, we're, we're getting ready to make some transitions and move probably to Rumble. So keep that in mind. We're going to transition because ultimately we think YouTube may be taking us down. So we're prepare, preparing for that ahead of time. So just a heads up, I'll probably reference that uh, in the next couple of weeks so that we can get everyone on the same um, speed with us as we make those transitions. So, Hanukkah, the resistance begins. We left off last week with the little horn of Greece, Antiochus Epiphanes, attacking and terrorizing Israel for the second time. And it's at this time that his army stays and occupies Jerusalem. And from there, he implements his evil agenda to subjugate and enslave the people of God. This is what godless elites do. This is called empire theology. So when empires arise on the scene, it never bodes well for the people of God. So they, these godless elites, they are the offspring of the serpent and live to oppress and terrorize the people of God. Mattathias Maccabee and his family, his followers... They represent the courageous few. They are the courageous few, a remnant that resists evil powers and agendas. These courageous patriots, with the help of God, crush and overthrow the corrupt, godless political leaders of their day and then restore and rededicate their temple, their city, and their nation to the one and true living God. So let's look into this story of the Hanukkah resistance and see what we can learn. So when we see Antiochus Epiphanes' agenda, these are the things that we see. This is a little bit of a recap from last week. He seduces the people of Israel. He seduces them from their allegiance to the Creator to the allegiance of his own kingdom. He demands loyalty and allegiance to himself and to his kingdom. He strips the people of God of their rights, their rights to speak freely, their rights to exercise their religion. He bans the Sabbath day so that no one is allowed to observe it. They're not allowed to observe, observe any of the holy days. In fact, he replaces the Sabbath and the holy days with his own days, which of course brings loyalty to him and his rule. He also bans their diet, forcing them to eat unclean foods as a test of loyalty. He bans the sign of the covenant. They're no longer allowed to circumcise their, their boys. In short, faith in God 
and his commandments as a way of life is forbidden. But one courageous family, the Maccabees, stands up and says no. No to this godless superpower. And then, of course, all hell breaks out. So Mattathias and his family, they're appalled, they're interceding, and they're mourning over all of this in a little town way out towards the border of Israel called Modin. I want to pick up the reading in 1 Maccabees chapter 2 and verse 15. The king's commissioners who were enforcing the apostasy came to the town of Modin for the sacrifices. Keep in mind that what started in Jerusalem now has swept through all of the major cities and now to the outlying towns. Almost all of Israel has given up their faith in God. They've turned, their, they've given their allegiance to this king in hopes to escape persecution. So it's towards the end where they've almost completely overtaken Israel that they stumble into this particular town where they run into a family called the Maccabees. So they were enforcing the apostasy and they came to the town of Modin for the sacrifices. Many Israelites gathered around them, but Mattathias and his sons drew apart. The king's commissioners then addressed Mattathias as follows. You are a respected leader, a great man in this town, and you have sons and brothers to support you. Verse 18, be the first to step forward and conform to the king's decree. All the nations have done, as all the nations have done, and the leaders of Judah and the survivors in Jerusalem, you and your sons shall be reckoned among the friends of the king. You and your sons will be honored with gold and silver and many presents. Yeah, just give up your faith in God. Put your trust in me and my kingdom. And I'll give you my favor. I'll bless you. I'll make you prosperous. Friends of the king, right? This is his call for allegiance. And if you remember last week, we talked about that. Friendship with the world puts you at enmity with God. Allegiance with the world is treason against God. Even Satan tries this in his temptation of Jesus in the desert. He finally comes to him in the last of the temptations. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8 says this, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory, their wealth, their power, their authority. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you simply fall down and worship me beckoning Jesus' allegiance and loyalty in exchange for the wealth of the world. And we all know what Jesus did, right? Back to the Maccabee story. First Maccabees chapter 2, 19 through 20. Standing there in this little group where they've called him out and they've said nice things about him and they want him to do the sacrifices because if they can get the leaders of the towns to do that, the people will follow. So Mattathias does something that no one else had done in all of Israel. It says, raising his voice, Mattathias retorted, even if every nation living in the king's dominions obeys him, each forsaking its ancestral religion to conform to his decrees, 
I, my sons, and my brothers will still follow the covenants of our ancestors. Pretty bold. It takes a lot of courage. Because this king is a madman. He's a killer. He's already slaughtered many, many, many Jewish people for not giving their allegiance to him. Pretty bold. Verse 21, may heaven preserve us from forsaking the law and its observances. As for the king's orders, we will not follow them. We shall not swerve from our own religion, either to the right or to the left. Give us some Maccabees today. Where are the Maccabees today, right? Where are the courageous men and women today standing up saying no to the powers to be? that are corrupting all of our institutions. Where are they? Right here. We're called to be Maccabees. May heaven preserve us. He understood that he could not withstand the evil on his own. He himself understood that the power was much greater than him and his family could ever endure. It would take heaven giving them what they needed to be courageous and to say no. May heaven preserve us from forsaking the law and its observances. Preservation comes from God. Courage comes from God. None of us have any real ability to overcome the powers to be without God's providence moving in our lives. 1 Maccabees chapter 2, verse 23, As he finished speaking, a Jew came forward in the sight of all to offer sacrifice on the altar of Modin, as the royal edict required. Some poor guy, anxious, nervous, thinking we're all going to be slaughtered, thinks he's going to save everyone by stepping up and doing what was asked to do. When Mattathias, verse 24, saw this, he, fired, he was fired with zeal, stirred in the depth of his being. He gave vent to his legitimate anger, threw himself on the man, and slaughtered him on the altar. At the same time, he killed the king's commissioner, who was there to enforce the sacrifice and tore down the altar. In his zeal for the law, he acted like Phineas had against Simri, son of Salu. Verses 27 and 28. Then Mattathias went through the town shouting at the top of his voice, let everyone who has any zeal for the law and takes his stand on the covenant come out and follow me. Then he fled with his sons into the hills, leaving all their possessions behind them in the town. The story of the Maccabees is interwoven in the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 24, where he draws off these stories to clue his own generation in to the fourth empire and the little horn of that empire that's going to do something very similar to what Antiochus Epiphanes did under the Greek empire. Remember Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation, when you come down off your house, don't even go into pack, get down and flee, go to the mountains, get to the hills. Yeah, this is a replay under Roman emperors, what we see under the Greek empire. The war raged on for over three years. They were just a small group guerrilla warfare, Jewish style, against this superpower. It was a superpower. Really, they had no chance of overthrowing this power. 
You know, it's just not a chance except for God's providence. See, when God begins to move on your behalf, that's when the few overcome the many. That's the story of Hanukkah, the few overcoming the many. We see that in our own revolution against Britain, a superpower, these little colonies that were farmers, you know? They get little muskets. They're up against this superpower that has a military that's just astonishing. But God in his providence gave us victory even in our uh, the birthing of our nation. Very similar in many ways. But for three years, this war rages on. God gives many, many miracles. And the Maccabees gained victory after victory against the superpower. Until finally, the superpower gives up in defeat and retreats. Ultimately, pulling out of Jerusalem, where they were, uh, uh, which was their core base. All of this was prophesied by Daniel. All of this comes to pass. The Maccabees is the, the telling of the story that fulfills what Daniel prophesied. First Maccabees, chapter 4, verse 36. Judas and his brothers then said, Now that our enemies have been defeated, let's go up to purify the sanctuary and dedicate it. So they marshaled the whole army, went up to Mount Zion. They found the sanctuary deserted, the altar desecrated, the gates burned down, vegetation growing in the courts as it might in a wood or on some mountain while the storerooms were in ruins. They tore their garments, mourned bitterly, putting dust on their heads. They prostrated prostrated themselves on the ground, and when the trumpets gave the signal, they cried aloud to heaven. Judas then ordered his men to keep the citadel garrison engaged until he had purified the sanctuary. Next, he selected priests who were blameless and zealous for the law to purify the sanctuary and remove the stones of the pollution, quote-unquote, the abomination of desolation, to some unclean place. Verse 44. They discussed what should be done with the altar of burnt offering which had been profaned, and very properly decided to pull it down rather than later be embarrassed about it since it had been defiled by the Gentiles. They therefore demolished it, deposited the stones in a suitable place on the hill of the dwelling to await the appearance of a prophet who should give a ruling about them. They took unhewn stones as the law prescribed, built a new altar on the lines of the old one. They restored the holy place and the interior of the dwelling and purified the courts. They made new sacred vessels and brought the lampstand, the altar stand, and the altar of incense and the table into the temple. They burnt incense on the altar, lit the lamps on the lampstand, and these shone inside the temple. They placed the loaves on the table and hung curtains and completed all the tasks that they had undertaken. This is the account of the first Hanukkah. Hanukkah means dedication. This is the account of rededicating the temple, God's dwelling place, God's home on earth, to God himself. It says in verse 52, on the 25th day of the ninth month, that would correspond to December on our calendars, on the 25th of the ninth month of Chislev in the year 148, they arose at dawn, 
and offered a lawful sacrifice on the new altar of burnt offering which they had made. The altar was dedicated to the sound of hymns, zithers, lyres, and cymbals at the same time of the year and on the same day on which the Gentiles had originally profaned it. The whole people fell prostrate in adoration and then praised heaven who had granted them success. The people of God, the faithful ones, bowing, worshiping God, saying, we dedicate this place to you once again. We dedicate our lives to you once again. We dedicate our nation to you once again. This is Hanukkah. Verse 56, for eight days they celebrated the dedication of the altar, joyfully entering or offering burnt offerings, communion, and thanksgiving sacrifices. They ornamented the front of the temple with crowns and bosses of gold, renovated the gates and storerooms, providing the ladder with doors. There was no end to the rejoicing among the people since the, since the disgrace inflicted by the Gentiles had been effaced. Judas, with his brothers and the whole assembly of Israel, made a law that the days of the dedication of the altar should be celebrated yearly at the proper season. For eight days, beginning on the 25th of the month of Chislev, with rejoicing and gladness. Hanukkah is not a Mosaic holy day. God did not give the people of Israel through Moses Hanukkah. This is the people of Israel setting aside a civil holiday, making a civil holiday to mark the victory that God gave Israel that preserved them, that allowed them to rededicate the temple and Jerusalem and the nation back to the living God. They said, we're going to honor God in this eight-day celebration. And why eight days? How did they come up with eight days? We got eight Hanukkah uh, candles, right? You have a shamash candle, a servant candle, and then eight candles. Why eight days? Well, the legend says they only had enough oil for one day. They had to ship more oil in, but the oil lasted eight days. That is great for story time hour with kids, but it's just legend, okay? It's just legend. The real reason has to do with Sukkot. Second Maccabees 10, 5, 6. This day of purification of the temple fell on the very day on which the temple had been profaned by the foreigners, the 25th of the same month of Chislev. Verse 6. They kept eight festal days with rejoicing in the manner of the Feast of Shelters, Sukkot, remembering how not long before at the time of the Feast of Shelters, they had been living in the mountains and caverns like wild beasts. So what they did is they said, we're going to have this civil holiday. We're going to honor God. We're going to be thankful for what he's done in preserving us. And we're going to do that for eight days because we missed our celebration a few months ago because we were still hiding out in the mountains, wondering if we're going to win this battle, you know? So, so we're going to just go ahead and take this idea of eight days from Sukkot, and we're going to just put it over here for our civil celebration, but our emphasis over here will be the theme of rededication, dedicating our lives to God, reminding ourselves every year that we're to stand up against all tyrants and against all legislation that would forbid the exercise 
of our rights to freely speak and exercise our religion. So that's the reminder. It's really a beautiful holiday, not just for Jewish people, but for all people everywhere, because all of us are made in the image of God. We are all free in Him. We have a right to speak freely and a right to exercise our faith in Him. So this celebration of dedication is very important because it reminds us every year that the world will seduce us if we allow it to that we have to stay awake, we have to have a heart for the truth, because if you don't have a heart for the truth, you're going to be deceived. It said if it wasn't for the hand of God, even the, the elect would have been deceived. The liar is such a liar. I'm telling you right now, with AI, they can do anything. They can do anything. They, they're, they're, already, they're already, with AI, doing deep fake advertisements, where they'll do a voiceover, and they'll take Trump's voice, and have them saying all kinds of things, trying to sell whatever they're going to sell, and it's, it's like you're, you're not going to figure things out anymore. Both video, audio, everything is just going to be wrecked with AI in terms of their ability to do some pretty deep fake things. So how are we going to resist the lies? How are you going to see through the lies? You and I have a heart for the truth a hunger for the truth, and to be word or based and, and grounded in the word of God. And because we love the truth, God will move in his providence. He'll keep us. He'll preserve us. He'll deliver us. But if we're passive and we think we're just put in neutral, we're going to be swept away in the deception. In fact, God says, if you don't love the truth, I'll hand you over to the deception. You know, when you, when you pray your prayers every day, you know, the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth now as it is in heaven, right? Give us this day our daily revelation, our truth, right, on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. How many people here just overcome temptation? It's a real war. You know, the devil's been at, at this for a long, long time. We've seen some pretty mighty men and women of God fall in disgrace. And if they can, so can we. That's why we pray daily. Lord, don't lead me into temptation. I tell God all the time, don't lead me into temptation. I won't make it. Father, I will not make it. Rather, deliver me from evil. And when he, in his providence, delivers you from evil, you never succumb to the temptations. It's a bulwark against temptation. But we've got to take him at his word and say, God, you deliver me, you keep me from the lies of the enemy, this great seduction that leads to an apostasy and a great falling away. Preserve me. May I be one of those that is found in the end resisting the system, keeping my faith in Jesus and your commandments. That's really the essence of Hanukkah. When godless powers rise to silence and cancel us, we are to look to God for grace and power to resist. Reminds me of a meme I saw. I think I even put it up on my Facebook. It says they... they uh, they tried to cancel Jesus, 
but he rose from the grave. I just love that. I just love that. When feckless elitists marshal and implement their godless, perverted, Marxist agendas, we, like the Maccabees, with the help of God, will resist and overcome. In times like these, the call of the Maccabees is clarified in Revelation 14, 12. It says, this calls for the endurance of the saints who keep God's commandments and keep faith with Jesus. So during this week of Hanukkah, let's rededicate ourselves to Jesus as Savior of the world, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is our first love. He's the centrality of the Torah. He's the fullness of the Torah. He is the living Torah. In him, we get to see what the Torah looks like in a human being's life. And during the week of Hanukkah, let's also rededicate ourselves to the commandments of God as a way of life. Let's prioritize his commandments. Let's walk in his commandments. They're counterculture, sometimes even counterculture to the, the established church. But let's not bow. Let's not give away our allegiance to anyone else. Let's stay faithful and walk the line of the ways of God that he's given to us as a way of life. I'm out of time and what I want to say is that there's so many areas that we need to shore up and this is our season to do it. Time to rededicate our marriages to the living God. Time to rededicate our families to the living God. A time to, to pray for generations to come. You know, you see this over and over and over. Job would, 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 would pray daily and intercede and say, oh God, have mercy on my sons and daughters. You know, they're, 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 they're not perfect. <laughs> they too sin. Have mercy on them. You know, learning to cover our families as parents, safeguarding the next generation from the wiles of the enemy so that we build not only strong families, but generations to come. Let's rededicate ourselves to a biblical view of sexuality and gender. So much misinformation out there. So many lies. We need to protect our children and teach them a biblical view of sexuality and gender. And then finally, let's remind ourselves to dedicate ourselves to loving our neighbors as ourselves to be good neighbors wherever you live be a good neighbor let your light shine what the world needs now more than ever before is the prince of peace the savior of the world the king of kings and lord of lords so let's be that light during this festival of light next week we're going to go ahead and look at Jesus as the fulfillment of Hanukkah, being the light of the world. So we'll jump down to that emphasis that he made during the festival week of Hanukkah uh, when he was on the earth. All right, Shabbat Shalom and Happy Hanukkah.